welcome to the Sales for People Who Hate Selling podcast. Here, we use our 15 years worth of sales and business experience to explore the common sales fears and niggles that business owners and freelancers face every day. If you're new to sales, you're scared of sales, or you're just starting out in business, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode eight of the Sales for People Who Hate Selling podcast. And today we are talking about non-paying clients, specifically during a global pandemic. This is uh, part two, following up from last week's episode, which is around prospecting clients during this sort of uh, weird and unsettling time in so many people's lives. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, do go ahead and go back and listen to that one. It was episode seven um, and it it was a really, really good one. If you are a newbie, hello, I am Ria and my co-host is Richard. Hello, Richard. Hello, Ria. Are you all right? Good morning. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, I'm quite looking forward to this one. I think this is one that um, people need right now. So um, hopefully we've got some information that will make people feel a little bit more confident about how to deal with this kind of unusual situations you know yeah for sure it's really uh relevant you know i mean it's something that people deal with at all times isn't it um non-playing clients but certainly um more relevant than ever at the moment so um, there's some quirks isn't there there's some quirks about um this particular situation uh, yes yeah. some of the things that we'll be talking about will be applicable in in any situation where you've got clients that are, are not paying for whatever reason um but uh, there are things that we're going to talk about today i think that are very specific to this situation as well isn't it yeah for sure um now if you are in business whether you like it or not you will be selling in some way whether that's yourself, your service, or your business. And Richard and I run a sales consultancy called Seek, which is really designed to take that fear factor out of selling um, with a range of services that we have. And one of those things is our Facebook community. Um, And uh, it's a nice group, isn't it? It is called Sales for People Who Hate Selling. Yeah, it kind of does what it says on the tin. Um, And in that group, and amongst um, some other business groups that we take part in, the subject of clients not paying for completed work during this time um, keeps coming up. So we wanted to talk about it, hopefully help some of you out. Uh, And also, um, this actually happened to us recently. Um, So we're all in the same boat, I think, with this one. Uh, You think so, Richard? I think so. Um, We had a positive conclusion didn't we uh, we yeah. managed to we managed to resolve it so yeah um, we, we won't talk about the specific client for obvious reasons but um you know i'm sure we can talk about vague vague specifics is that a yeah. thing it can't yeah. be a specific if it's vague can it yeah i think some of the uh, tips that we're going to go through today um largely have come from our own experience um so listen i think the most important thing to say first of all is that if you are in business whether you have 100 staff, 500 staff, or it's just you on your own, you deserve to be paid for the work that you have done. However, I do think that this particular problem is something that affects small businesses and freelancers 
more than it would if you're say um, Sky or BT or you know any of those sort of big companies. Do you think that's true, Richard? And if you do, why do you think that's the case, especially at the moment? It it can be true uh, in, in certain situations. I think that goes without saying. Uh, I think I think a lot of it is is status, uh, especially yeah. if you're dealing with a, a larger company. If you're a, a one man band or or a small business with a couple of you or whatever, uh, and your client is a big client, I think often mm-hmm. they can feel like they're the boss and they're the ones that are in charge and they're the ones that dictate the terms. Yeah, uh, if you're sure. um, if you're a, a freelancer and you're working with another freelancer. It, it does happen, but it might happen less. Uh, but I think it's important to point out that in any situation, whether it's during a situation like this or just generally, it should always be the case that the provider of the services, so mm-hmm. you know, the listeners in this case, determine the terms of engagement. Yeah. You should never, ever be in a situation where the client tells you how things are going to work. Yeah. Clearly, um, I mean, this is something that, you know, I've had over the years where, um, you know, clients try to impose their terms. um, And, you know, I'm not saying that you can't be flexible and you can't negotiate. And I'm not saying that you should be, you know, Mr. Hardcore about it um, or or Mrs. Hardcore. uh, But realistically speaking you know if you go, i've said this to you before and i know it's a terrible example but you know if you go into a supermarket or any other retail establishment the, the terms of engagement are already laid out in front of you you know yeah. they, they, they have the checkouts they have all of the shelves and you go in uh, and you you browse the the items and then when you've chosen the items that you wish to purchase you go to the checkout you don't yeah. just sit down cross-legged in the middle of one of the aisles and say bring that terminal to me yeah because you can uh if you want to you're you're welcome to try that you know but that's why they have security they wouldn't be massively happy they wouldn't so (laughs) i I, I think yeah and probably not come back you know um and i think that's we, we have to kind of make that point um, now yeah. is to yeah you know at the end of the day uh, a client whether it's a potential client or, or an actual client uh, has obviously the right to not accept your terms uh, but realistically speaking the way the process should work is that the provider of the services determines the terms of engagement yeah, uh, and, yeah. and of course it, it goes without saying and i'm making a bit of a, a long-winded rant about this but i think it's important that don't do that in the middle of working with someone on a project lay it out clearly in multiple places before you start working together yeah Uh, and good clients will respect that yeah Uh, people who start to pull that apart and nitpick it or whatever you you might start to see that as a red flag but if it's a little bit like um we said on a previous episode about setting up meetings with someone if you if you want to set up a call with someone or a meeting with someone People that are interested in you and your service and want to work with you will have zero problems with chatting to you on the phone. Um, People that don't want to do stuff, they're a bit nitpicky and, you know, they're causing issues from the start, probably not going to work out so well. And I think that one of the things that's become clear from your um, little rant there um, is that you should have contracts in place. And we see it all the time where in business groups and networking and things, where people will say to us that they've got a problem with a specific client because they not just about payment, but about, you know, terms and things like so. And it's become clear that they haven't had a contract in place from the beginning. And then it's kind of like, well, there's not really a lot you can do. Um, So I think uh, definitely 
have a contract that lays out the terms. That's really important. Yeah, and don't just assume that because you've got a contract, they've actually read it. You know, right. so m- make sure that you, because that's just asking for trouble. You know, yeah. if, if you ever go back and say, well, it's in the contract, and I, well, I, I didn't read the contract, I just signed it. You know, I mean, how many times do we have clients who sign off on projects and they don't actually check? What they what they're deciding before oh, they do sure. it. it happens for all sure. the time for you know sure. so you know make sure you have a, a rigid process make sure that you give the pertinent information in multiple places yeah uh, and sure. then you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror afterwards and say do you know what i did everything that i could and at the end of the day if they didn't read it or they decided to ignore it then that's not my problem you know i've done everything yeah. that i can um sure. i think so i think that's that's important um whether I'm not sure whether this is the right place to mention it during the, the, the podcast, this, this particular point in the podcast or not, I don't know. But one of the things that one of the other major things that we've seen, and probably the main reason we decided to do this podcast and episode in the first place, was we've seen quite a lot of examples of people being almost emotionally blackmailed into not asking for the money. Yeah, you know, for like, sure. You're, you know, it's like people will say things like, you know, you're you're a horrible person for going after the money, you know, in this situation and, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, what you've just said is is absolutely true. You know, you've done the work. You've done yeah. the work and you're entitled to get paid. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that, you know, if you've done some work, whether, you know, let, let's create a scenario. You're a graphic designer. You've completed the work. The client says they're super happy. But now they say that due to COVID-19, they can't pay. And I think that what, what you said there, you know, and what we said at the start of this podcast is absolutely true, which is that if you have completed work, then you deserve to be paid for it. And I would say that, you know, regardless of any sort of um, situation, um, 365 days of the year. But it is important to remember throughout all of this that this is a, a really unusual situation and that financial difficulties are occurring for everybody. You know, we're, we're reading in the news every day about some of the biggest businesses in the world, like airlines, you know, like British Airways and Virgin, other airlines are available, that are um, laying off staff and high street shops that are going into administration. You know, so the financial implications of this pandemic are not going to discriminate whether your business is big, small, has been going for two years or 20 years. And the fact is, whether we like it or not, individuals and companies are finding this extremely financially difficult. And I think it's really important to remember that with every action that you take. Um, that said, if nobody is getting paid, then the world is obviously just going to keep on spin- um, stop spinning. Because if you're a graphic designer, in our example, and your clients aren't paying you, and that means you can't pay for any services like food or your rent, or you know any other sort of things that you need um then that's a real problem right absolutely you know you're you're absolutely right and i think this is applicable in any scenario like this you know you have to be empathetic first and foremost but i think at the same time you have to be realistic um you know regardless of how you look at it you know not being able to pay for something that is due is is a problem so who takes responsibility for that problem and where does that problem get passed to because it's still a problem it's just who's holding the hot football you know like if if the um if the client 
uh, can't afford to pay and that, and they that's their their problem in the nicest possible way it's it's their problem uh, and they say well we can't pay so we're just not going to pay mm-hmm. well that's a problem that's then been passed on to you so now it's your problem and now yeah. you have to deal with the consequences of that yeah. uh, and i think that in scenarios where you know you, you might have a client bit like we said at the beginning you know you might be a smaller business and, and your client might be a larger business if they're basically saying sorry mate you know we can't pay you tough tough luck then I think that's really unfair and, and, and really unreasonable because all yeah. they're doing is taking their problem and giving yeah. it to you you know and then you're having to deal with the consequences of that problem which means that like you said you know you, you can't pay your bills and you know it probably means that you know you've got your own services that you're uh, you know needing to pay whether it be you know you know your web hosting or your google drive or or, or or whatever and now you can't pay pay that you know um, yeah. so we've got to recognize the fact that ultimately i think this is what we're going to get into isn't it that um, you know we we're in a situation where the right thing to do is to have a, a grown-up conversation about it uh, yeah. but we've what we've seen is a lot of people who are simply taking on the, the hot football and, and taking the problem themselves because they're worried that they're going to be seen as a horrible, nasty individual with no empathy if yeah. they say, well, hang on a minute, mate, you know, like I've done this work, I, I need to get paid, you know? Yeah, I think... That's not the case. If you uh, listen to this podcast regularly or you know Richard and I from outside of this in, in what we do with Seek and, and, and other things, you'll know that when we talk about things, we always talk about it from the perspective of the client or the prospect and doing things with empathy and understanding. Um, And I think that that should be standard um, across the board, whether you're talking about, um, you know, starting a project or whether you're looking for payment. Um, But that said, you know, doing things professionally and with empathy and understanding doesn't mean that you let people get away with stuff. Um, So, what we're going to do is run through uh, maybe some steps that you can take if you are in this situation, um, you, you've done some work and now your client says that they can't pay. Um, so number one, the first thing that might seem really, really obvious to some of you, but how about trying to actually talk to your client? So this would be, you've got the email They've emailed you, and this happened to us. This happened to me and Richard and I. Um, They send an email and they say, you know what? We're not going to be able to pay for this. And the first thing that I would always suggest you do is don't panic, don't stress, don't ask any questions in the email, but simply respond to that email and ask them if they can set up a time to speak with you. Then what you can do is when you're on that call, you can find out what's going on for them and what the issue is. Um, I see so many people, um, again, on, on business groups and networking, say that they've got an email from a client and the client says they can't pay. And then they go into an immediate panic and then they post on the group and they will say, you know, I've had this email from this client and they say they can't pay. Um, and the first thing that I always ask is, okay, but have you spoken to them? And I think a lot of it comes down to that fear factor about the telephone. Um, a lot of people just don't want to pick up the phone and speak to people anymore. Um, do you think that's the case, Richard? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, maybe that's feeling like they're going to be you know, bulldozed into accepting something that they, they don't want to accept or that, that yeah. the callers are going to end up in a really bad way yeah, for them. Sure. But I think a lot of this is, you know, going back to what we were saying, it's, it's okay to be flexible, yeah. but you have to know where you draw the line. Because at the end of the day, yes, you should work together, but it's, 
it's the, it's more their responsibility to find the answer to the solution because ultimately it's it's their problem they yeah. can't pay you and I, and I know when I say that it, it comes across as really hard and I, I, I don't mean it like that I don't think it comes um, across as hard but I think it's important to remember that that is the case it is the client's responsibility to to make the payment but we're gonna go that's a better word i i, I prefer yeah. that it's their responsibility it's yeah. a little bit um of a gray area particularly around this situation that we're in and we're going to go into that a little bit more later on um so i think the first thing that you do you take a deep breath you've got the email from the client just reply back saying you understand and you'd like to set up a time to chat things through. Now, I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, but Rhea, I do that and then they ignore me. That's fine. We'll come back to that. Yeah, that's a different situation, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be a further step that you do later on. So number two. So now let's say you've set up the call. You're on the call with them and they are outlining what the problem is and they tell you that they don't have the money to pay you. Now, first of all, I think it's really, really important to establish whether the reason they can't pay you has been caused by COVID-19 or something else. So you can ask some questions around that. And I think it's really important at this point to keep the lines of communication quite light, quite open, not too heavy handed. Um, I certainly wouldn't be going in and asking them for evidence or anything like that. Um, would you? No, 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 I wouldn't ask them. I wouldn't ask them forever because you're you're, right. ba you're basically saying that I don't believe you. Exactly. You know? I think you can be um, you can be forthright in an understanding way. I, I don't think there's. This is something that I used to really struggle with. Where you know, not, not so much now. Where or you, you may disagree. Um, yeah. That where I used to pussyfoot around. You know, um, whereas the thing that I actually wanted to ask, I never did because I was worried about what the answer was. Sure. And I don't think there was there's anything wrong with saying, Hey, Mr. Client, um, Mr. and Mrs. Client, like, can I just ask, like, is this problem directly related to this situation or, or would, yeah. do you have that problem anyway? You know, yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with saying that. No, you know? no. I mean, look, you know, you want to understand what's going on for them whilst politely, politely reminding them that the work's been completed and that hopefully you have a contract in place that advises the payment dates are within X and Y or however it is you work. Um, I have this saying that I tell myself um, that I think never know too much about a client. So you want to ask questions, questions, questions and uncover what is really going on. And that accounts for whether you're prospecting, whether you're pitching for the first time, or whether it's a situation like this. You can never ask too many questions. You don't want to be obviously intrusive, like asking them, you know, what medication they take or something, I don't know. But um, you just want to ask lots of questions to find out like what's going on for them and how they are. And, you know, like, is this related to COVID-19 or is this something that was happening maybe like four months ago? And actually, not to be too kind of rude, but actually they're using COVID-19 as an excuse not to pay. And obviously it's definitely happening. Right. And you don't ask it that way, of course. Um, and I think maybe we could do a whole episode about questioning and uncovering kind of what's going on for people. Um, because there are ways to ask questions in a sort of layered way that can uncover, you know, what's going on for people without being sort of rude and intrusive. Um, but I think that's really important. So number two is you're on the call, 
ask questions, keep it light, keep it open, find out what's going on for them um, so that you can really uncover kind of um, what's, what's really going on, you know? Yeah, I think you can also um, open the conversation. Uh, you can do this in the email as well. Um, you know, you can say something like, um, I just wanted to have a conversation so that we can find a solution that works for both parties, which is kind of like a very light handed way of saying, I'm not going to let you just not pay. Sure, sure. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I think we, it's almost similar to the situation that we had. It's like you, you say to the person, look, I, I want us to be able to work this out. Let's yeah, right. a solution for both of us. So in a kind of light and breezy way, you're saying you are going to pay, but listen, let's, let's work it out. Um, yeah, without actually saying to them, you know, you owe the money, mate, pay up, you know, yeah. um, because I think we do have to recognise, and, and this was something that um, I watched a webinar a few weeks ago, it was really good actually, it's from Go Cardless, and it was, I think it was the chief financial officer of, of Go Cardless, and, and, and she said that, you know, it's okay to be flexible uh, if, it, if it works for both parties, but kind of going back to what we, we said a couple of minutes ago, that there are situations where large companies can afford to pay uh, and if you're a small company and they're basically saying well, you know what mate like we're just going to use this as, as an excuse we can't afford to pay but we're not going to what are you going to do about it yeah. you know it's absolutely right to put your foot down and say i'm sorry you know and i think you have to um understand and be honest with yourself as to w- whether this company can actually afford to pay because there are situations where they can yeah for sure and again, you know, if you're speaking to somebody who, let's say, for example, your client that you've done this work for is somebody who, you know, they're not a business as such, they're an individual person, you've got to understand that the global pandemic is going to have affected them massively as well. So to go in heavy handed and kind of be like, well, tough, you're paying it. It's not that helpful. It's not helpful for anyone. Um, and that leads us to point number three. And. Um, which for me is one of the most important things to establish, which is whether they are a good long-term client who are likely to want to work with you again on you know, an- another project or multiple projects, or if they're sort of a kind of one-off client and that's nothing really to speculate, to accumulate. Um, and you, you kind of feel like, well, do you know what? If they don't pay this invoice, I'm never going to work with them again type thing. Right. Um, my thing is, is if they're the former, so they're a good client, they've either worked with you before or you've got a really good relationship with them um, and it makes sense, therefore, to work something out, um, whether that's weekly or monthly installments or even, if you can manage it into your cash flow, a reduced payment to obviously get some payment. If you have the confidence that the client is a long-term bet, then it makes sense to keep them on side and come up with a solution that you can both kind of stomach with the view that it will pay off in the end because they'll turn into a really, really long term client down the road. And I think we had this situation um, again, being sort of um, vague about it. Um, The client that we had, we knew that we had a good relationship with them. Um, They're great people. And we knew that in the future we would work with them again. So we were open to the idea of installments and we gave them that option as it was. They didn't take that option and they ended up just, just paying the full invoice. And my personal opinion is that the reason why they paid the full invoice is because 
we were open with them and gave them the option of installments and they saw that we were reasonable people and in the end they just paid it what do you think that was quite interesting wasn't it because um I still don't really know what their modus operandi for the whole thing was in the first place, but the the email was very much kind of going back to what I said at the very beginning. Their their email was laying out how it was going to work. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not going to be able to do this. We're going to do this instead. Yeah, uh, and as and as soon as we uh, we spoke to them and, and we made it clear that we were prepared to be flexible and, and we gave them a couple of options um, that you know, would have made it a little bit you know, more financially um, easy for them. They didn't even take those options. They just stuck to the original agreement. And I found that quite interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when you show a client like that, who we had that good relationship with, and we've continued to work with them afterwards, um, you show that you're reasonable. And I think that if we'd gone in there heavy handed and said, no, no, actually, this is how it's going to be. You're going to pay it or else we'd still be waiting for the money now. Uh, of course, because you, that's a kind of standard psychological approach, isn't it? You know, people, yeah. if, you, if you attack somebody, people get defensive. Right. Uh, so, and, and they'll dig their head in their sand and they, they won't want to deal with it. And, and you'll, you'll get onto this when we talk about um, what to do when people ignore you. So um, I, I think that uh, having a, a friendly approach makes, makes a lot of sense. But what, what was clear that we didn't do is we didn't say, you don't have to pay and we didn't say you can have a discount yeah you know yeah. We, what we said is that this is the this is the balance that's owed this is work that's already been completed for you you know this is very different to a situation where you might be thinking about working together you know that's that's completely different uh, th this is a situation where the work had already been done and the the balance was due and we didn't say you don't have to pay it. We didn't say here's a discount. What we did say is that we can come to some sort of arrangement that makes it easier for you to stomach, you know? Yeah. Um, and they and they appreciated that. They went away and had to think about it. And they came back and they said, actually, it's fine. We'll just pay it anyway, as we were going yeah. to, you exactly. know? Exactly. Um, and I think that's what it's all about at this stage of the process, as we're going through this sort of process that you would follow, that at this point, things are still very open and very sort of... Um, amicable um, and you have to understand that if you go into things heavy-handed of course the other person's going to get defensive but also my thing is like I've had it sometimes where I've genuinely not been able to pay a bill genuinely um, and the provider you know whatever whoever it is um, has been you know sort of understanding and we've come to an agreement that I'll pay it in 10 days or whatever it is um, and I think that it makes sense to to do that if you're you know in a graphic designer or whatever business it is you're in um, going in heavy-handed from the start it's not going to help so no, I think I think that's that's absolutely true and, and there's there's going to be an, an infinite amount of uh, you know potential scenarios if there's a it's important to say I think that if there's a scenario where the client genuinely cannot afford to pay it, I don't think it's an acceptable outcome to just say, oh, they can't afford to pay it. Don't worry about it then. No. It comes back to the fact that it's the client's responsibility in coordination with you as a service provider to find a solution. You know, right. and it may well be that you do you delay it slightly. It may well be that you you know create some kind of instalments, but it's not That's acceptable for the for yeah. the for the client just to say, I'm sorry, we can't pay. That's it for sure. And I think that brings us 
nicely to number four, um, which sort of, if you are following this sort of pattern, so you've done the call, you've asked the questions, you've tried to set up some installments or whatever, but then we come to point number four where that's all happened, um, but you make a decision here that actually, first of all, they aren't likely to be a long-term client, and this seems like a definite never going to pay issue because they're not willing to have a conversation with you. They're not willing to set up weekly or monthly payments. They're not willing to come to an agreement. Um, if those things are the case and you've kept things very amicable and very open, to, you know, up until this point, then it is not unreasonable to seek legal advice and action, even during a global pandemic, because this is the thing, some clients will want to talk with you and work something out because it's important to them that you have taken the time, energy and skill to provide a service. And even if they can't pay now because they've got their own stuff going on and obviously the pandemic has affected them financially and they've got their own bills to pay, they will want to pay later and they will want to work something out with you because it's important for them. If they do not want to do that, then it's a problem and it is not unreasonable to still want to be paid and do that by seeking legal action. Do you agree? Completely, 100%. I think I always have this thing where um, I say to myself, can I look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, without breaking the mirror, can I look at myself in the mirror and say, did I do everything that I possibly could? You know, and, and if you've said to them multiple times, look, I, you know, let's try and resolve this. I want to get it sorted out. Let's try and find a solution that works for both parties. You know, I, I'm prepared to be flexible, all of that kind of stuff but they just ignore you, then you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could to try and resolve this, but I couldn't do it because they just simply ignored me. And regardless of anything, regardless of people struggling to pay or whatever, it doesn't cost anything to send an email back or it doesn't cost anything to take a short phone call and say, look, let's, let's try and sort this out. The fact that they, they are ignoring you is in any situation unacceptable and i think if that's the case you're absolutely within your rights to take it further yeah i think so and look you know if you do take it further and the client's obviously gonna get maybe upset or angry or whatever i think like you've pointed out you know if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say but i followed these steps you know i tried to set up a call with them i tried to work it out I tried to be reasonable with them. I was polite. I was friendly. I was empathetic. And you did all of those things. And the client is still kind of putting their head in the sand, either ignoring you or actually just doesn't want to pay. Um, then it's a problem. And I think that it's, it's quite right that you should seek some kind of advice or indeed action. And you and I both know that you know, if you seek some kind of um, legal action or you go down sort of a, a debt collection route, the, the debt collectors as well initially will be very friendly and very polite and very empathetic because it's their job to try to work something out. So I don't think that people should be scared that, you know, if they get like a debt collector involved or something like that, then they're going to come hard on this person and they're going to ruin that person's life or something like that because that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Um, they're going to be empathetic. They're going to want to speak to the person, find out what's going on for them and come up with a solution um, for you and for them. For sure. Um, this also comes back to standard um, you know, professional process, you know, and it depends a little bit on the type of service that you offer. 
But if you offer a service that's a deliverable of some kind, um, yeah. you know, if you're a graphic designer or, or, or whatever, then generally speaking, I would assume that your standard process is not to provide that work uh, or the completed version of that work until payment has been made. Yeah. That, that absolutely is even more important in situations like this because, you know, uh, generally speaking, and I say generally speaking because we've had situations recently where this hasn't been the case, but generally speaking, uh, we know that they still want that thing that you've done. So if you've, if you've done some, some work for them, they still want the results of that work, you know, and if regardless of the situation or, or, or not. So if they want that work, then they have to pay for it. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing we have to take into consideration, again, which should be a standard part of your normal working practices, is late fees. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you can still say to them, I, I'd really rather avoid having to add a late fee to this. You know, yeah. because the fact that we're in this this global situation doesn't change the fact that you're entitled to charge a late fee. Yeah. You know, you always... can't fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, you know, I can't charge a late fee because we're in a global pandemic and that makes me a terrible person. You know, I'm going to fire in the you know, burning depths of hell because of it. You know, you still deserve to be paid. And, and it's those kinds of psychological things that people as a, as a, uh, a client, they still go, oh, actually, you know, if I pay now, it's going to cost me less money. So I, I, I best pull my socks up and get this sorted out, you know? Yeah, I think as well, um, it's also really important to remember that if you're at this point in the process and they're not responding to you, you haven't been able to work something out and you feel like the only option is to go down the sort of debt collection company route. It's also important to remember that if your invoice is for, say, £2,000, that debt collection company are going to take a chunk of that as a fee because that's how they work. They're going to take some sort of percentage or whatever. So if you find a debt collection company, this is what I would do, by the way, not saying that everyone else has to work this way. If you find a debt collection company and they say, well, look, we're going to take £400 of that money because that's the way that we work. That's our fee. I would think to myself, okay, well, I'm going to lose £400 anyway if I work with this third party. And getting this third party involved is probably going to rub this client up the wrong way. And maybe it's better for me to keep things amicable so that I can speculate to accumulate because this client may want to work with me again next year when, when things are obviously back to normal. So I would probably go back to the client and reduce the amount that's payable by £400. Now you might go, oh, but that's the completely the wrong thing to do because then you're you know, basically rolling over and doing what the client wants and blah, 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 blah. But to me, that just makes perfect sense because you're gonna lose that £400 anyway. So at that point, that £400 doesn't exist. And if you can give the client a reduced rate and say something like, look, like I want us to work this out. So I've reduced the fee by 5%, 10%, whatever it is will that be acceptable to you? And they say yes, and they pay it, job done. If they say no, then it doesn't matter. You can still use the debt collection company and lose the 400 pounds anyway. Right, and I think you know people who are listening might say, "Hang on a minute, guys! Like 15 minutes ago, you said you know to never offer a discount." No, you know, I, uh, I said you could offer a discount. Right, but 
I think in this particular situation, this again uh, is a good example of, of transparency. You know? And of course, if you're at the place where you're talking about debt collectors, then you've gone a, a really long way down the line, you know, because people generally speaking don't even think about that unless it's got to a really, really bad place. You know, but I think that's an interesting approach. Um, and you could yeah. actually be, as I say, super transparent with them and say, look, you know, I'd really rather get this resolved with you. And I'd yeah. really rather not have to engage the services of a, of a debt collection agency or someone similar to that. I know that if I was going to do that, that it's going to cost me £400 of this £2,000 that you you owe i tell you what we'll do to prevent me having to do that i'll just knock 400 pounds off the invoice if you agree to pay it because then they're going okay well if i don't pay it then i'm gonna have to pay the full amount and i'm gonna have to deal with a debt collection company yeah which is not great so which is not great for them and people generally speaking don't want the hassle and, and all that sort of stuff um so you're you're being super transparent with them and using it as a as a negotiation tool. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Of course, right. you're still going to find people that um, just say no, I'm not doing that or or whatever. Well, then you just follow your process. You know, um, you you may also argue that uh, if they've ignored you up until this point, uh, then they're probably not going to be getting on a call with you to talk about debt collection agencies. You could right. argue that, but like, but like I said, you know, there's always going to be a, an, an infinite range of, uh, of potential scenarios. I remember years and years and years ago, I think I told you the story. It's not related to business, but I did actually have to take someone to, to court for some money that was owed. It wasn't a lot of money, but you know, the car. Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a, as you know, you know, I, I'm a very principled individual and it was more to do with the principle of it. Um, and the thing is, is that like he ignored every single line of communication, every single thing, you know? Yeah. And I said to him over and over again, like I really, I followed the perfect process. You know, I was very understanding and I tried to resolve it or whatever, but he ignored literally everything and he left me with no alternative and that's the thing is that sometimes you are left with no alternative but but interestingly um, I did get paid in the end um, and this is quite a, a funny little story um, the, the check that came through and I remember I think the check came through on a Saturday morning or something and it was addressed to Dick and I, I, I remember thinking who's that like it was you know, Dick Torball you know my, my surname I was like, what's that? You know, because of course the situation like this go on for many months usually and you, yeah, you sure. sort of forget about it. You know, you don't sit, you know, on your hands waiting for each kind of postal delivery. That surprises me that you wouldn't. Well, no, I didn't. But um, it came through. I was like, what, what the hell is that? You know, so I opened it up and it was it was a check, you know, and then I realized straight away that he was basically trying to be funny, you know. Sorry. Um, you know, but, yeah. Um, the, the point is here is that if you are owed money um you're within your rights to be paid that money and you know if you follow these steps we think that this is a good sort of process to follow you start obviously by trying to work something out and hopefully if you've got a good client on your hands who um you know you've got a good relationship and they value you and what you've done they'll be willing to set up that conversation and they'll be willing to work something out whether that's weekly or monthly payments if you don't have that situation and they continue to ignore you or they're not willing to set something up, then 
it is okay, whether we're in a global pandemic or not, to start taking a route which is a little bit more, you know, I don't want to use the word heavy handed because it, it's not like that. It's just basically getting another third party involved whose professional job is to, you know, make sure that you get paid. Um, and we've seen it before on lots of sort of business groups where people say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I haven't had this invoice paid. What shall I do? And people immediately say, as you said, Richard, they'll say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're you're trying to get payment from someone during this. You're such a terrible person. Um, and I think we all need to be a little bit more um, realistic. You know, like you said, I don't go to Tesco's, fill up my trolley and then tell the people at the counter I can't pay right now because of COVID-19. That's not how it right. works. You know, you you take on a service um, and within that service, hopefully, if you have a contract in place, um, the terms of that service are that you'll make a payment. Now, we understand, of course, that during this time, people's lives have been turned upside down. I mean, even um, as we're speaking now, my, my life has changed considerably because of COVID-19. And I know that yours has as well. Um, so we do have to be realistic about this. And when some people say they can't pay, they may well be being very genuine. So I think it's our job as service providers to uncover what's going on and find out if they can't pay, you know, what's the reason for that? Can we help? Can we work something out? You know, or if they're just ignoring you or whatever, then you've, you've got to take the steps that you need to do to make sure that you can pay for the things that you need, which is your rent or your mortgage or your food and so on and so forth. Because otherwise you're just going to get into this never ending cycle where the world's just going to collapse because nobody's nobody's paying for anything there might be people listening to this that are going to go well Rhea, the world is going to collapse because the economy is um taking a nosedive and unfortunately um it is situations like this that are going to contribute to that because if people um don't have any money and they can't pay and they say they won't pay and then that means you can't pay for your services and your bills and um, so if you rent for example and you don't get paid from your clients and you can't pay your rent, what does that mean for your landlord? Can they then pay their bills and so on and so forth? And it just goes on and on and on. So yeah. there, there is a point where you've got to kind of um, look at this from a objective point of view and sort of take the emotion out of it if you can and think to yourself, well, what's going to happen if this client doesn't pay? What's going to happen for me? What's going to happen for the other people that are involved in this chain? Um, so if you're at that point, where they've not wanted to set up a conversation they've not wanted to deal with you they've buried their head in the sand despite your sort of numerous polite and empathetic um attempts to do so um then it is absolutely acceptable to take the route of of legal letters and advice and and try to claim your your money back 100 percent. i think the uh i know we've got one more point to make but i think you know the, the summary um of, of the whole podcast episode really is don't fall into the trap of thinking that you're a terrible terrible person if you yeah. you know ask for the money that you're you're entitled to despite what sure. some people will tell you you know for sure yeah for sure and i think that as well um if you are a service provider and we've used the example of graphic designer in, in this example but whatever it is you do whether you're obviously a freelancer or a small business or a large business if you are a good person and it's important to you to be a good person however that you know however you sort of um assume that to be 
then yes, you want to come up with a solution that is um, acceptable to the client and to yourself. But there comes a point where it's like, well, hang on a minute, if I continue to be this good person, I then can't pay any of my bills either. So where does that leave me? You know, um, and we've spoken about it before in lots of previous other episodes where you can definitely, definitely, definitely do business, whether that's selling, prospecting, pitching, claiming payment or whatever it is, empathetically, but also professionally and with, um, you know, intent that you're going to get out of this what you need to get out of it. Um, the two things are not mutually exclusive. You can do both of those things at the same time. Absolutely. Completely agree. So, um, listen, number five, um, what happens though, right? Let's go back a few steps. What happens if your client sends you an email and they say, hi, Richard. Hi, Dick. (laughs) They say, um, I can't. I know what happens if they email me and say, hi, Dick. I know exactly what happens. It goes into your, uh, delete. Spam. Spam. Yeah. Um, they email in, they go, hi, Richard, I can't pay for this, but you're only part three through the project. Now your background, obviously you're a web developer. So I know that this sort of scenario does happen sometimes because the way that you work means that you do a project in sort of stages. So please tell everybody if that happens, you're partway through a project and the client says they can't pay. What is your suggestion, Richard, that people should do? It's actually not massively different to what we've spoken about already. Uh, I mean, the, the first thing that you should do quite clearly is stop working. Right. Um, yeah, r- regardless, I mean, you might say, oh, well, I can't stop working because this there's going to be this terrible thing that's going to happen and blah, 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 and there's a deadline, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if the deadline has to be extended because of this situation, then, then so be it. You know, um, that's not something that you can be held responsible for. Um, so, yeah, the first thing you should do 100% is, is stop working. Yeah. Uh, and in a, in a nice way, um, you, you should tell them that you've, you've stopped working um, because you don't want them to assume that you're still working when, when you're not because you don't know how long um, this situation is going to take to resolve it could be resolved in a day or two it might take a few weeks to resolve you know and if you haven't been working on the project for those few weeks then you've obviously lost that working time and it wouldn't be appropriate for the client to then still think that the deadline that you'd already laid out is still going to be stuck to you know yeah. so don't don't put yourself in a situation where you're like oh you know crap like this is taken three weeks to resolve and now i've got to do three weeks work like in a matter of a couple of days to, to catch up you know you you don't do that but what if so you've done so let's say you're a web developer and um you know forgive me if i get some of the aspects of this slightly incorrect but say you've done the sort of design element of it and at that point they say they can't pay for the work that you've done would you um obviously you'll stop work so you won't continue with sort of developing the site but would you still obviously go down the steps that we've talked about to recoup the funds for the work that you've already done of course and that's that's what that's what i mean like that's why it's actually quite similar to what we've already spoken about you can apply all of the same same steps Um, but the the only only difference really is that you you have to let them know that you've you've stopped work um but like I say, I think it's important that you protect yourself a little bit. Um, having been in, in sort of slightly similar situations over the years where, um, you know, you, you do have to stop work for whatever reason. 
But unless you set the expectations right there and then to say, right, if this takes three weeks to resolve, it means that your project is going to be extended by three weeks. Yeah. Because you yeah. don't want to put yourself in a situation, especially if you're coming to the end of a project, because sod's law is these things tend to happen towards the end. You know, because So if you're four weeks away from finishing a project, but it takes three weeks to resolve, the client still thinks that you've, you're going to go live in a week. Yeah, you know, of course, but, but you've of actually still got four weeks of work to do, and it's impossible to do four weeks amount of work, you know, in in one week, you know, yeah. and you don't want to be in a situation where you're, you know, pulling out all of the stops and and, and getting all stressed and yeah. working all of the hours under this under the sun, because of a of a situation that's not your not your fault. So yeah. I think it's really important that you you make it really clear to the client at the end of the, uh, uh, not at the end at the beginning of that conversation that you know, any delay is going to delay the time it's going to take to finish the project. Uh, well, and if they say okay that's fine then at least you've set those expectations. And it also helps them to kind of focus on finding the solution, you know. Yeah. So really if you um, are halfway through a project um, and uh, they say they can't pay. Obviously, you stop working. You you advise them of that. You try to go through these steps to recoup the money for the work that's been done. Um, but also, perhaps it's about um, creating new terms so that you know, like you've said, you know, if they then pay and then they want you to complete the work, they need to understand that the terms of that are going to change because it's going to take longer and there's going to be sort of different things that are going to have to happen for that to take place. So, would you then draw up a new contract? Um, you know, so you need to draw up a new contract. You can draw up an extension um, yeah. or, or a revision. Um, but yes, and, and, and get that to be... Again, this is... A, a lot of the problems that we talked about at the very beginning with um, you know, small businesses and freelancers and status, a lot of that is due to the way that you behave in situations uh-huh. like this. You know, uh-huh. if you're like, oh, yeah, like he told me on the phone, you know, we said on the phone and we did this... We, you know, people aren't going to take you seriously. If you lay out the terms of the engagement, okay, so, you know, we have to uh, revise these terms. What we'll do is, you know, we'll we'll send you a a revision to the contract. Once that's signed and we've had that returned, then we can continue once this has been resolved. You know, it gives the impression that you're in control, you're professional, you know, and they're much more likely then to to do what, what you need them to do, you know? That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, um, listen, we've gone through some good points. Uh, I hope, hopefully this will be super helpful for people uh, moving forward, uh, not just during this time, but hopefully these are things that you can use uh, anytime, you know, next year, next month, whenever that time may be. Um, so, listen, do you want a summary? I, can I do the summary? Um, yeah, if you want to. I mean, do you feel like you're ready for the summary? Well, not at your level. I, th- I think the summary, who is, you know, um, oh. but I think the summary basically, are you going to summarize point by point? Are you normally? Talking? Yeah, just like I normally go through point by that. point, little, little sentence for each one, just so that, you know, we've summarized. I like to do it, as you know, in a sort of chart show esque way. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. I didn't think you would. If you know Richard from outside of these podcasts, um, you'll know that he, he wouldn't be the kind of person that would do that. <laughs> Fair to I, say. Mean that ki- I mean that kindly. I know. Right, go on. You're going to do this then? No, you're going to do it. I just said I'm not going to do it. Oh, you're not going to do it. I put too much pressure on you. Um, okay, so here's the summary. Let's go from the top. Um, I tell you what, you can summarise point five because that was kind of your, 
your thing. So I'll go one to four. You can do number five. Teamwork is dream work. That's it. Um, so when clients say they can't pay during a global pandemic, what should you do? Number one, set up a time to talk, find out what's going on, ask lots of questions, establish um, what the real issue is. Number two, um, find out if they are um, a client um, that is actually having an issue because of COVID-19 or whether it's some other kind of um, problem that's going on, remind them of the contract, remind them of the terms and um, basically uncover what's really going on and, and whether it's because of this or something that happened, you know, six months ago. Uh, number three, establish whether they are a good long-term client who want to work with you again, i.e. speculate to accumulate or whether they're the sort of client that's just never going to pay and it doesn't, you know, they're going to run off into the sunset with your money. Um, if they are the former, then obviously try to work something out weekly, monthly installments, or even a reduced rate if you can manage that into your cash flow. Number four, um, if you ask lots of questions, you have a contract in place, um, but you make a decision that they're never going to pay, they're not talking to you, they've buried their head in the sand, they've run away, they've gone on holiday, whatever it is, um, then it is not unreasonable to seek legal action and legal advice. And number five, Richard, please take it away. So what should you do if you're partway through a project? Well, the answer is that you should stop. Um, you should stop work. You should tell them that you've stopped work. And then you should do all the things that we've talked about in points one through to four. But make sure that you any revision to the terms of engagement, whether that's extended deadlines or revised payment plans, that you do a revision to the contract and that contract is signed before you continue. For sure. Um, okay, that was a great summary. Um, now, Thanks. next episode is episode nine um and it is going to be on the whys and hows of cross-selling and we've got a special guest coming on board for that one um a lovely lady called anna and we're excited about that um so she'll be here talking to us about cross-selling because she likes a bit of cross-selling um and and we're excited to talk to her about that um if you want to follow us on the twitter you can it is at we are seek um we we're pretty pretty hot on there um got a lot to say and that's where we will share sort of the podcasts and different articles and so on and so forth uh, if you'd like to join our facebook group then you um, may do so it is sales for people who hate selling um and, and, and like we've said it's a nice group nice community of like-minded individuals like yourself um and richard where could people listen to this podcast should they wish to uh, the, th the three majors, um, so Spotify, uh, I say the three majors, um, we're not on Google Podcasts yet. Um, so Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Anchor are the three places that we are at the moment. Um, do we have anything else that we'd like to tell people? Mm, yeah, we've actually, um, the, the group's grown quite well in the last couple of weeks. Um, the Facebook group um, yeah. and we, we're getting to the point now we've actually had to kick people out yes we did we had to kick a couple of people out the, the, the thing is right is um, what we do um, outside of this podcast is we also have sort of um, paid services that the clients will, will pay for like uh, workshops and we do sales strategy calls and you can um, yes. if you're if you're um, nervous about pitching, then you can do sort of pitch practice role plays on me and then I provide feedback and I'm lovely about it, by the way. Um, so we do different things like that. And, and the group 
is for people that really want um, some sales guidance and some sales advice and maybe might want to pay for one of those sort of paid services. The group is not really for other sales professionals. Um, so um, it's important to make that clear, you know, what we do isn't really for salespeople, it's for non-sales people. So um, we don't really want other people in the group that do the same thing that we do, do we? Um, I think we should clarify, we don't mind that. Well, um, what, we're, what we're trying to avoid is uh, people using our group for their own promotional purposes, you know, if yeah. what they do is similar to us you know uh, the the the, po the point of the group is similar to the podcast in some ways you know uh, the whole kind of sales for people who hate selling concept you know is to help people who are not sales professionals to to sell it's about guidance and tips and advice um you know people can ask questions if they're struggling with something specific you know that's where you know, how we're going to create a group that has some has some value you know what, what we're not doing is creating a, a business listings group yeah. you know where people can just yeah. come on and, and and spam with their with their stuff and i think that in any group like that that's going to happen um so if it does happen um then um th there's going to be the the exit door shown i think but yeah. um, we're, we're, we're very open and we're very accommodating um yeah. and if we, like, if we like people and we like people to be in the group but not um spammy people and also someone tagged us didn't they that happened they they were some i don't know some randomer tagged us didn't they they tagged the group in a photo that we'd never ever seen before that was a bit weird um but you know this is the wonderful world of the internet isn't it right um so listen we're excited about next week and um, the wise and house of cross-selling with a special guest anna um she's lovely and um we're gonna be talking to her about that because she She's uh, a little bit of uh, an expert in this, in this field. Um, until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. See you later, guys.